previously on Ars Paradoxica. Hi, I'm Anthony Partridge. I can't imagine that if you're listening to this that you wouldn't already know that. The booklet I found when I got here calls this place the Black Room. There is a floor, but beyond that there's nothing. An inky black curtain cutting me off from the rest of the world and time itself. This is where I live now. This room is my prison. My cage. I'm not being dramatic either. It's really called a cage. Controlled atemporal something or other. Basically, we crank up the emitters until the gluon wall just barely begins to condense, then pull back on the... It's just a, t it's a time bubble. Isolated to a single moment, tethered to the deck of the USS Eldridge on the afternoon of October 28th, 1943. This place, right here, right now, is the nexus that makes time travel possible. There were vastly more boxes and equipment than I was sent with, and it's from the future. Tally, this is the way to make the anchor board, and bam, Odar loses its grip over the history. Nikhil, ah! Nikhil, stay with me. <laughs> Everything is the worst. I think I'm gonna talk to Roberts about that shrink. Um, I'll call you later. Hello, and welcome back to the continuing adventures of Anthony Partridge in the desk clerk's office without time. Today I have stumbled upon a rather interesting quirk of my Philadelphia forever home. Sure, it may have cost me a few of my precious medical supplies, but that's a small price to pay around here for something new and exciting. I had cleared out my queue, and while waiting for the system to refresh, I was killing time by building a rubber band ball. Now before you go asking... Yes, I do have a ton of office supplies here, and yes, rubber bands do seem like a particularly odd choice. All I do here is shift documents from one place to another, right? It's all paper, audio tape, microfilm, that sort of stuff. So paper clips, sure, logical, yes. Staples, okay. A little destructive of the documents for me, but covering my bases, Odar, I appreciate it. I mean, what I really want is a big cork board and some push pins, maybe some string or something, I don't know, but rubber bands? What am I holding together with rubber bands? It just seems like an odd choice, guys, that's all I'm saying. So, right, the rubber band ball. Now, they've included all the entertainment a guy could ask for in the black room, books, music, movies, TV shows on tape, and disc, <laughs> but what I don't have are a ton of facilities for physical activity. See, the Black Room itself is pretty big. They found a pretty empty patch of the Eldritch to set me down on, but with all the stuff in here, it's kind of cramped. I keep up a basic exercise regimen to ward off atrophy and the like, but I get antsy. Often. So, I built this rubber band ball for kicks. <laughs> and I'm bouncing it, right? And then I think, you know, what might happen if I were to toss this at the boundary? I don't talk about the boundary much. Be perfectly honest, kind of gives me the creeps. Most of the time the boxes and crates and shells in the way let me keep my distance. The few times I've touched it, 
There's definitely a hard surface there. It's like a concrete wall. Only it's warm to the touch, and it gives just a little more than you'd expect. It's like my nerve endings can't quite make sense of what they're picking up. Like the information is invalid or corrupted. My somatosensory system crosses a wire. And because the moisture in the air can't escape anywhere, the pressure condensation gets forced up against your hand, so your hand comes away wet. It almost feels alive. That along with the drone of the cage generator, breathing, pulsing, like the belly of a whale. So right, so I have this rubber band ball, and I'm thinking, okay, what would happen? So I throw it, lightly at first. See, but it bounces further than I expected. I have to reach to catch it. But now I'm curious, right? So of course, <laughs> I chuck the darn thing as hard as I can. And it hits me right in the face, full speed. Normally this is the part where I ice my face and my ego, but when I say full speed, I mean almost entirely the same speed, which is weird because any other surface absorbs at least a little bit of the kinetic energy as heat upon impact, Newton's third law and all. But this thing came flying back at me and I swear to God, it was the same speed as when I threw it. So it's all swirling in my head, the ball, the warm touch, this crazy spectacular echo. I think the boundary is 100% reflective inwards. I mean, of course it would have to be. It's a complete and total blockade between me and the entire rest of the universe. But I've never really dived into exactly what that means. Which can only mean that there are some experiments in my future. <laughs> oh, Sally's gonna love this. I mean, it sounds rad, Partridge. You know you can count me in for whatever you need. Sally? Hey, the door was open. Oh, I hope uh, it's okay. Gotta go. Let me know the details. Bye. Hey, Roberts. I'm back here. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. I didn't expect you today. You were just here yesterday. Oh, I I'm sorry. I, I just had an unexpectedly light day. Is it all right? If you need some space, I can... Uh, no, no. It's totally fine. I'll just finish this up later. Do you want to play cards? I am going to die. This is not a new revelation. In fact, it's something that comes up a lot here. Just me, alone with my thoughts. But today I'm faced with empirical evidence that even in this entirely closed system, entropy will decay my body and mind and I will still die. You hear this? This is a Newton's cradle that I built out of some ball bearings and twine. One side of it is resting up against the boundary. So that when I drop the ball on one side, it immediately bounces back up with near identical force. I say near identical because even if the boundary is 100% reflective, there's still heat being absorbed by each of the balls in the line. There's still kinetic energy lost to the air as the end ball rises. After an hour or so, the ball rising just a little less than the time before, and it got me thinking. Sure, the Black Room's environment was ionized the minute it activated, killing all bacteria in the area. Sure, I've got plenty of medical supplies to last me a good long while, but even if I stay fit as a fiddle, even if I live my allotted decades and then some, eventually I'm gonna die in here from some complication that can't be solved, some disease they didn't know about in my time, or hell, even by old age. Which 
isn't actually a thing so much as a nice way to dress up organ failure. The one thing that really scares me about all of it is that I don't really have any recourse left to me in the event of a slow, torturous decline. That is, unless I want to burn one of the cat boxes. I'm not sure I've ever really ruminated about them on the record. Basically, Odar's done a pretty good job so far in providing whatever I may need. In fact, beyond human company, I haven't wanted for much of anything while I've been here, but... And believe me when I tell you, I am utterly aware of the irony of what I'm about to say. Odar can't predict everything. They knew that something catastrophic might happen in here, something they couldn't possibly plan for. So, in among the various stacks, there are 16 wooden crates, nailed shut. And the way it works is, 16 times over the course of my life, I can ask Odar for a specific item. Name a crate, open it, and there it'll be. And sure, each of the crates has something inside it right now. And sure, I could pry each of them open and see what's in them. But what a waste that would be. Because until I open one, a box could contain anything. Literally any conceivable thing could be in there until I open it and see it with my own two eyes. The theory is based on a thought experiment proposed by Erwin Schrodinger. It was proposed as a joke, but he had no idea how useful the joke would be when it came down to the nitty-gritty of quantum mechanics. His experiment involved a cat in a box. Thus, cat boxes. So I've got 16 of these things. Sixteen genies' wishes, as it were, to provide me whatever I need, on demand. But what's wrinkling my brain today is am I going to have to save the last one until I'm standing at death's door? Will I have to request a heavy dose of morphine? Or a bolt gun? Is the instrument of my ultimate destruction sitting ten feet away from me, even now? Sally, listen, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and I don't want to die alone. I know I'm stuck here, and I know it's for a reason, and I know I deserve whatever's coming to me, but what, am I supposed to just sit on my hands and wait for death? I guess it's just not in me not to rage against the dying of the light. So between my shifts at the console, I've been working on this design, and... Well, I'm no expert in quantum field theory, that's you, but I think if we can figure out a way to negate the strong force the way you did with the Higgs field, it might destabilize the gluon barrier of the cage, and I might actually be able to get out of here. What do you think? It's worth a shot, right? Partridge? I don't know. I mean, I feel for you. I really do. No one wants to die alone, but think about it. If I let you out, the entire Black Room will appear on the deck of the Eldridge. That's the very first thing that ever happened to me in the past, and I definitely don't remember a ludicrous pile of boxes, tapes, and documents falling out of the future with me. It was just me. So, 
messing with that moment, and by extension, potentially messing with every moment that's come after it, that's a big ask. I'm doing my best to live in the present these days, and that's just a string I don't know if I want to pull. It could unravel... everything. You don't have to be alone in your final days. You can always call me. I'm here for you. But I'm sorry. I just don't think it's a good idea. Really? You're not even going to consider the possibility? Where's the Sally Grissom I know? The one who laughed in the face of known physics and told the universe to shove it. You would have jumped at a chance to make something like this back when I was free. This is cold, Sally. She learned a few lessons the hard way, and now she takes care of herself first. I'm sorry, Anthony. It's just too dangerous to my mental health, and I've got to prioritize that now. I can't do this. Don't ask me to do this. I mean... He's right, of course. The old me would have jumped at this. It, it feels a little wrong not to consider it, at least. But you're not the old you, Sally. You've really come a long way. You've succumbed to reckless behavior in the past, and uh, I'm sorry to pour salt in the wounds, but it hasn't always worked out for those closest to you. I'm proud of you, that you took a moment to consider the consequences of this line of discovery before you got yourself so entrenched in thought that you ended up hurting someone, especially if that someone is yourself. Okay, but what makes me more worth considering than Partridge? He's trapped in the work release program from hell, and all he wants is not to die alone. And I'm robbing him of that. But is curing Anthony's loneliness worth putting yourself at risk? Sally, you have value. You're more than just your brain. You're more than just what you can contribute to society. You have worth just by being. And I really wish that you'd see that and not beat yourself up so badly over an unnecessarily risky move. I know that. <laughs> you say that, but do you believe it? I'm here to help you believe it. Yeah, yeah I, I know I'm more than just a genius scientist, I do. What? I do! Okay, but like, was I really just going to leave a stone unturned? Come on. I'd like to think my diary knows me better than that by now. My problem is that I don't really have access to the materials anymore, but depending on what materials he has with him in the black room, he might be able to make it work. Hey Sally, oh. I was wondering if... Uh, um, What's all that? Uh... Um, no, nothing. <laughs> Just working on a, um, an extension to the greenhouse. It's getting a little... Sally. Uh, hmm? You know you're a horrendous liar, right? <sighs> so I've been told. <laughs> Sally, it's okay. You're allowed to have your secrets. Lord knows I have mine. We'll just steer clear of the mysterious blueprints, shall we? Really? Yes, of course. Everyone's got some right to privacy. Roberts. You're in a top position at an intelligence agency. 
Your entire job revolves around invading other people's privacy. Not my friends, though. That seems a little nepotistic, but okay, I guess. So just have an agent pick it up in the next 40 years or so, and you should be good to go. Let me know if you can make it work. Actually, I guess if it works, it won't really matter, because history will be pretty different. Good luck anyway. I will send it to... Oh, 1972. Delta point five four from Black Room Center. That ought to do it. And then that should be... Okay, hmm. So it's a gluon emitter? Sort of bombards the barrier like a diamond-tipped drill. I'm either gonna need to cannibalize some parts from the computer, not really an option if I don't want Odar poking their noses in, or, or I'll have to burn another one of the cat boxes. I felt a little stupid having to use the first one. I wanted something a little more interactive to keep my brain agile, something more than movies and TV programs. They sent me this handheld computer made by some Japanese company, Nintendo. Came with these little cartridges with games on them. I'm getting pretty good at Tetris. But it made me feel pretty dumb. I mean, I get 16 boxes of whatever I want and no more for my whole life. And I splurge on a toy. So no more splurging. <laughs> If I'm burning another box, I gotta be sure it's what I want to do. And Sally's right. Me breaking out of here carries considerable risk. Not just to me, but to Sally, to anyone connected with Odar. To Helen. Is it worth messing with her life further just to see the sun again? Even if it's just one last time? I don't know. As it stands, I'm young. I'm fit. I think I can wait a while before I try to use this. But I think it'll be nice to have the option available to me, in any case. Dr. Fitzgerald, thank you for making the time to see me. Of course. How's your daughter? She's improving. The gene therapy's working? For now. They're hesitant to call it a full cure. Uh, of course, it's really relatively new to them, but her immunity is bouncing back. Good. That's wonderful. I'm glad. Ms. Roberts... Forgive me, but you made it sound rather urgent on the phone, and I've had to reschedule a patient, so... Of course, I'll be quick. We need to know what Sally's been working on. <sighs> Much of what she tells me goes a bit over my head. Between the greenhouse and the telephone charger, the ridiculous Rube Goldberg-style breakfast machine, it gets hard to keep track. Is there any chance she mentioned anything about a black room at all? You mean the one where you're keeping Anthony Partridge? Damn it, Sally. Yes, that would be the one. I've become increasingly uncomfortable in this position, Miss Roberts. This is not the kind of thing that I signed up for. I'm sorry, Doctor. Did you forget who Little Lindy's benefactor is? I think you sometimes forget that your employees are people, not just pawns on a chessboard. I prefer a deck of cards to a chessboard. And Sally's not an employee. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? I have other patients to see. You only canceled one of them. Sally's building something, but she won't tell me what. I only caught a glimpse of the blueprint. You know, I really don't like pretending that she has no reason not to trust you. 
I'll only ask one more time. What is she building? She's working on something to break a glue wall. I think that's what she said. A glue on wall? Sure, if that makes sense to you. And how's it going? He hasn't gotten back to her yet. Wait, Sally and Anthony are talking? You didn't know? They've been in contact since before we started our sessions. Let me know when she hears from him again, will you? It's not going to work this way, Sally. The barrier is 100% inwardly reflective, so if I try to bombard the barrier from the inside, all the energy will reflect inside the black room. What we need is for someone to use the gluon drill from outside the black room, but since it only exists for a single instant in 1943, I would need you to travel all the way back to the Eldridge with the drill already running. And I'm not going to let another woman give up her entire life just for my sake. I already made that mistake once. I'll have to try something else. I'll call you back. So, I'm not going to be able to breach the barrier from the inside. Maybe I can weaken it from the outside. The Eldridge keeps all the energy condensed here indefinitely, but... I don't know. Maybe another anchor point might weaken the boundary enough to cause a collapse. Let me see. I can put myself in a position to scrub President Truman's staff of communist influence once and for all, well in advance of his speech. I've got a list here of people we'll definitely need to look into further. Agent Marion, thank you for bringing this to us. This is an exemplary brief. How far back do you want to go? No further than 45. But I'd start with Elizabeth Bentley and build from there. I'm going to be there to meet her off the boat. I'd like to be the first friendly face she sees. Might be more willing to open up to me than to Hoover's Jen, boys. Jen, we've got to talk about Anthony. <sighs> Good work, David. Get the paperwork in order and we'll fast track it to the black room for analysis. Dismissed. Yes, sir. Ma'am? Agent Marion. <clears throat> so, he wants to break out of the black room. Could he do it? I... You're not mad? <sighs> do you think he could do it? Well, I don't know. We gave him those crates to do with as he pleases, and it's not like he'd send a memo if he requested something from the future he didn't want me knowing about. Technically, he's the one in charge of all the information we know, and unless you've noticed any actively diverted operations, we can't call him out or expend resources to investigate. So, unless or until we find a red flag in Anthony's work, we can't do anything about it. And by the time he escapes... History will already have changed so drastically as to render basically all of our contingency plans moot. And we can't relay any new contingencies to accommodate because they'd all have to pass through him to get back to us. The one flaw in the black room system. Anthony actually getting over his guilt. Or refocusing it. You know, I kind of thought that reservoir was a little deeper. But I can't say as I'm surprised. Anthony's ego is a bulwark. So, what should we do? Sally, I'm looking over the file from a Nikhil Sharma incident. How much confidence did you have in his theory? I've looked over the diagram of the rainbow generator after he worked on it, but I guess I'm not quite sure how a second anchor point would have allowed you to travel forwards. As far as I can tell, it might destabilize the tachyon flow enough to disperse the gluon barrier on my end, but I get the feeling there's something I'm overlooking. Let me know. They closed off the area before I could really take a look at what he was doing. But I've done some calculations based on what I remember from the road trip, and it 
seemed like a solid plan. I don't know. He had 60-some years to figure it out. I just sort of trusted his process. That's not entirely convincing. Another one. So, what should we do? What if we just gave him the information he wants? Another one. Anthony, listen, I know you're lonely, you're afraid. But what you want to do, Anthony, it could destroy everything. Not just Odar, but the whole world. After the Sharma incident was filed away, I had Griggs and Archer take a look into it. And they ran the numbers on tachyon traffic between two anchor points. The problem is that with more than one anchor point, particles are pulled in two directions, and so they end up splitting the difference. Anything that's ever traveled in time crumbles to subatomic dust and gets scattered across space-time. But because they never reform into any cohesive body, the mass becomes energy and radiation spreads across the entire interim distance between the departure point and the anchor point. And then it gets worse. The radiation spreads across the whole country, the whole planet. It's an endgame scenario, Anthony. I'm including the report in the endgame files. You can see for yourself. We don't have any evidence that this wasn't Sharma's plan from the start. Sally doesn't want to hear it. She won't listen to a thing you say against Nikhil Sharma. It's a sore point with her. But he really could have destroyed everything. And you could too. I'm sorry, Anthony, but the world isn't a price we can afford to pay for your freedom. It's just not. I hope you understand. Sally missed this. I can't believe this didn't occur to her. In fairness, Sally did only invent time travel accidentally. The obvious doesn't always occur to her until it's too late. That should do it. I sure hope so. What do you mean, drop it? You're the one that convinced me to look into it. Could you just... Wow, I never understood blue balls until right now. Do me a favor. Don't get me started down a path unless you want to see it through. What do I say? What can I say to convince her that she's not fit to pursue this? She's right, I asked her to do this for me, but I'm so used to Sally firing on all cylinders. There are gaps in her logic. I guess I never saw it before. Maybe there are gaps in mine. She's been through a lot. She's been away from Odar for years now. But honestly, I don't know if she could take it. Intelligence is her identity. Lord knows I know what that's like. And when I found out that I'd played into the hands of someone with a destructive agenda, I sabotaged my whole future. And I won't let Sally make my mistakes. Not if I can help it. I'm sorry, Sally. You were absolutely right. Listen. I'm going to keep looking into it, and if I find anything interesting, I'll let you know, okay? Be well. Diary of Sally Grissom, October 17th, 1950. I'm done with Partridge for a little while. He's a selfish, manipulative ass, and he just presses my buttons to amuse himself. 
What, he doesn't have enough TV shows to binge in the black room? Oh, whatever. It's fine. I've got pumpkins to look after, and Halloween is right around the corner. They need to know. Alert. Nikhil Sharma is not the only rogue to attempt creation of a second anchor point. In the event such an attempt is successful, the Black Room predicts severe, unavoidable, global catastrophe. Be on extreme lookout. You only get one shot. Ars Paradoxica was created by Daniel Manning and Misha Stanton. Episode 18, Boundary. Story concepts by Aaron Bark. Written, directed, and produced by Misha Stanton. Featuring Kristen Mercurio as Sally Grissom, Ren Beeler as Chet Wickman, Katie Speed as Esther Roberts, and Robin Gabrielli as Anthony Partridge, as well as Richard Penner as Dr. Fitzgerald, and Alexander Cole as David Marion, with special thanks to Isabel Atkinson. Original music by Misha Stanton and by Eno Friedman Broadman. You can hear more at enoofficial.com or at enomusic.bandcamp.com. Come find us wherever we are on the internet. Our website, arsparadoxica.com, where you can find episode transcripts or grab merchandise at our store. You can also reach us anytime on your social medium of choice, at arsparadoxica, or at our email, arsparadoxica at gmail.com. If it's Ars Paradoxica, it's probably us. Ars Paradoxica is made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy what we've done here, consider leaving us a nice review. And if you can pitch in anything to help us keep the lights on, go to patreon.com slash arsparadoxica and pledge to support us monthly. And finally, Ars Paradoxica is brought to you by the internet. Command-Shift-N. Trust me. Red. Red. Tulsa today is thunderstorms, 